thank you all for being here for a, uh, what do we call it, a live taping? No, we'll call it a taping of that stack of books and a live performance at Town Hall. How's that? So thank you very much for being here. I want to thank Finney Books, local independent bookstore. Tom Nisley, who is, besides author of A Reader's Book of Days, True Tales from the Lives and Works of Writers for Every Day of the Year, and, which turns out your thesis, Intimate and Authentic Economies of the American Self-Made Man, Literary Criticism and Cultural Theory. Our very own Jeopardy champion. A round of applause for that. A longtime Jeopardy champion. And he will be there to answer anything you ask in the form of a question. Don't forget to fill out that, that form if you're interested in having me suggest um, a book or two. Um, if I don't, you know, if you don't get picked tonight to do it in person and you still would like some personalized book suggestions based on what you like in a book, I would be, um, I'll take them home and, uh, and email you. So put your email address that's easily readable on that. Katie. Um, and like was mentioned before, uh, we have two guests tonight. Frida Clements, artist, illustrator, graphic designer, whose silk-screened posters have become synonymous with the Pacific Northwest music scene. She's the author of Have a Little Pun, and our other guest is Martha Brokenbro, author of two books for adults and five books for young readers. She's the founder of a Na National Grammar Day, which is every March 4th. And she's written uh, game questions for Cranium and for Trivial Pursuit. And she also wrote the book Things That Make Us Sick, spelled S-I-C, which is a laugh out loud guide to grammar and language. So they will be both talking with Nancy and Steve later in the program. So we're gonna end um, our evening with a quiz testing their skill at puns and grammar with a couple of willing participants from the audience and there will be terrific prizes. Um, <laughs> For so, some of you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is a show about puns okay. and grammar, right? So, oh, you're groaning. I haven't even said it yet. <laughs> if you leave alphabet soup on the stove too long, could spell disaster. I really do, I do need a pocket rim shot, don't I? Yeah, we do need that sound effect. <laughs> An English professor is teaching a class. In English, she says, a double negative forms a positive. In some languages, though, such as Russian, a double negative is still a negative. However, there is no language wherein a double positive can form a negative. Then, a voice from the back of the room popped up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Three intransitive verbs walk into a bar. They sit, they drink, they leave. <laughs> a question mark walks into a bar? Two quotation marks walk into a bar. The bar was walked into by a passive voice. The past, the present, and the future walked into a bar. It was tense. <laughs> a synonym ambles into a pub. That one takes thinking about. Like, I, I didn't get that. Nancy didn't get that. But, but think about pub, because, you know, pub is synonym for bar. I didn't get it. Um, <laughs> a gerund and an infinitive walk into a bar planning to drink. A hyperbole totally ripped into this bar and destroyed everything. A run-on sentence walks into a bar and is thirsty. 
a group of homophones walk into a bar. Not so funny, but when you think about it, they walk, W-O-K, they in, I-N-N, they to, T-W-O, a bar. See that? We, got it. I, we finally got a groan from that one. That was Still good. not funny. A group of, let me, I think I need to repeat that. A group of homophones walk into a bar. <laughs> a little laughter would help. If you can't choose between an angry psychic and a sad psychic, you'll have to find a happy medium. Hanging out with a skyscraper is fascinating. It's just story after story. A three-legged bar walks into a saloon in the Old West. He slides up to the bar and announces, I'm looking for the man who shot my paw. Which would have been funnier if you'd said dog instead of bar. Did you say man? <laughs> oh. <laughs> three. Let's do that one again. Okay. A three-legged dog walks into a pub in the Old West. He slides up to the bar and announces, I'm looking for the man that shot my paw. That's better. It's much better. It's good because in a podcast, we can, we can take out the outtakes. I'm wearing my golfer's socks, the pair with a hole in one. Yeah. Good. That was good. I think as Frida will tell us, a good pun should elicit groans. So what if you don't know what apocalypse means? It's not the end of the world. <laughs> So, Katie, what's another, uh, what's another name for Santa's elves? Well, subordinate clauses. <laughs> Is there a word in the English language that uses all the vowels, including Y? Unquestionably. Mm. Yeah. We could go on, but we'll do one last one. We will go on later. There was a man who entered a local newspaper's pun contest. He sent in ten different puns in the hope that at least one of the puns would win. Unfortunately, no pun intended. Thank you. We'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your waitresses. I, I still don't get that one. <laughs> so now, um, does anybody have really? a form that they filled out that they want Nancy to recommend a book for you? I should put a stare in here. Uh, how do we do this before? Did she read it out loud? Or do you, you want to read give it, it out loud? To, okay. <clears throat> this is from Robin. Okay. Hmm. Um, okay. So, this book was beautifully written. I learned things about where the book is set that I never knew before. I like reading about characters who seem real to me. I couldn't put the book down. Um, so, uh, um, one of the books that I would suggest for Robin, where are you, Robin? Oh, Robin. So one of the books that I'd suggest is *The Hours*. Have you read that one by um, Michael Cunningham? Did I loved it. okay. <laughs> what can I say? Um, another another book that I would suggest is um, a novel, a new novel, newish novel from this year called *Unbecoming* by a woman named Rebecca Sherm, S-C-H-E-R-M. And the story, you know, what that book is about is how you, how you unbecome who you are. So try that and then let me know. Okay, thank you okay. so much. You're welcome. And if I think of other ones, I will um, send them along. All right.
Nancy worked very hard on this form. She would like to turn it into a computer program. I would. would just run okay, on its own. I would. Sandra? As an app. Sandra? No. Yeah. Um, this book was beautifully written. It was so interesting to think about what it would be like to be the main character. I stayed up late to finish the book. Reading this book was like a poem I loved. Okay, so I, I would say, like Robin, a book that you would like, I think, is Michael Cunningham's The Hours. An, an, have you read that one? Yes. Okay, an, did you like it? I loved it. Okay, another one that, that I think that you, um, you might like was, um, and I bet you read this one too, Olive Kitteridge. No, I haven't. Okay, okay. Olive Kitteridge by Elizabeth Strout, S-T-R-O-U-T. Um, Oh my gosh, there are just so there are just so many of these. I think Ann Patchett's Run, mm -hmm. which is a novel that um, a lot of people, it, you know, she really became very well known after she wrote Bel Canto. But this is one of her previous novels mm -hmm. that um, I, that I think you would like as well. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. What what book was your what was your book? Yeah. What, what? Oh, I love uh, Hilary Mantel. Oh, okay. Oh, well then, so have you? But have you? So Hillary Mantel wrote well, a. Well, I read. Yeah. So uh, bring up the bodies. Wolf's Hall. Wolf Hall. Right. But did you read a place of greater safety? Um, so a place of greater safety is her historical novel about the French Revolution. Yes, I did. Okay, wasn't that great? It was amazing. Yes. yes. So if you I like historical fiction, <laughs> a place of greater safety. The thing that Hillary Mantel does so well is she takes these. T these people who, who are just so have to do such terrible things, like um, Thomas Cromwell or Robespierre, Maximilian Robespierre in the French Revolution, and she makes them sympathetic to the reader. She has an amazing ability to do that. Oh, I, I, um, uh, Robin, another book that you might like, I think. Well, both of you, but um, Sandra, I think knows that I'm going to say this is Larry's Party by Carol Shields. Have you read that one? Okay, write it down. <laughs> Robin, what was the book that you were thinking about when you filled that out? You know, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was actually set in um, Paris, Belle Epoque. It was a nonfiction um, book that was kind of a, um, a murder mystery and a tale of this young woman who uh, got caught up with the wrong man, and there was a, a murder plot and her backstory. If I think of the name, I'll let you know. Okay. Paris Winter? Paris, no, no not Paris like winter. Book, Paris this summer. Was, this was a nonfiction book. Mm -hmm. yeah. Paris spring. No. no. Okay. <laughs> All right. This one is from Ginny, who is my mother, which I know is a little bit uncouth, but I've been in radio for years. My mother never gets anything because I always go to somebody else. So since she's here, okay. There you but, go. I promise I'll pick two other people. Um, so, but I, I would really like to give some suggestions to somebody who reads for plot, who just wants like a really good um, mystery or two. So, What's an example of that? What, what books are an example of that? Of, of the mystery? Well, the ones or that, that you read for plot. That I, well, I, most, all mysteries I think are, are plot driven. Um, I read the ones that have a lot of character as well and, and good histories. So I was thinking of Adrian McKinty's the Cold, Cold Ground, if you're looking for a great mystery. And um, um, Ginny's, although the book that Ginny is, was thinking about that she's describing are Louise Penny's books, Still Life, which are set in an imaginary town in uh, Quebec 
French-speaking town in Quebec, and there's a whole series with um, Inspector Gamache and, and all of those. But for people who love that kind of mystery, there's a couple of authors that I would recommend, and one is, um, uh, um, oh my God, what is her name? Um, all right. In the Woods is her first book. Yeah, Tana French, thank you, Jennifer. Tana French, have you read her, Jenny? Okay, so the best one is the first one called In the Woods, but then she has gone on to write four other ones that get really good, great reviews. Um, if you want a book that's really heavily setting, I would, go, I would do Adrian McKinty's The Cold, Cold Ground, which is set in Belfast during the Troubles, the height of the Troubles in 81 and 82. Okay. Have you read that one? No. Okay, so that's absolutely, <laughs> just absolutely great. Okay. That's a great, and they go on. And right? they he go has a whole on. Series right. Of them three of, three the more of them. Okay, this is from Jeff. Okay, Jeff. I'm looking oh for my one gosh. more person. The book was beautifully written. I kept rereading sentences and paragraphs of this book because they were so evocative. I stayed up late to fit. Jeff, you got to get together with these ladies who said the same thing. <laughs> Reading this book was like reading a poem I loved. Wow, it's the same books. I, I feel, where's Jeff? Oh, yeah, so what book were you thinking of? Oh, All the Light You Cannot See. Okay. Um, Tom, what, what's the book by, um, what's his name, Mara? that's set in, um, okay, so write down, could you write, what? Could you write down this author, M-A-R-R-A, -R -R -A, and he has a novel, a first novel, that's absolutely just exactly that kind of book where you wanna copy down paragraphs because they're so wonderful. And he also has a collection of short stories. Another book that I would, that I would um, suggest is The Sympathizer, which is um, by a Vietnamese-American writer um, whose last name is Nguyen, N-G-U-Y-E-N. Um, again. N-G-U-Y-E-N, <laughs> The Sympathizer, which is set in, um, it opens in South Vietnam the day that the helicopters are taking out the last Americans from South Vietnam and then is mostly set in the United States. And again, the writing is very, very, very sharp, and, and it's just one of those books that you can't put down, although you don't want to find out what happens. Do you know what I mean? It's one of mm -hmm. those books that you know something is probably going to happen, and you can't bear it to happen. But you're, you're compelled to finish it. Try those. Is this Anthony Mara, A Constellation Mara. of Vital Phenomena? Yes, the book is called Constellation of Vital Phenomena. It's a wonderful novel. Um, it's a wonderful novel. Another book, another book that's absolutely wonderful is, um, oh my gosh, the woman who oh, lost um, her Tom soul. Tom Spanbauer. No, 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 no. Oh the woman God. who lost her soul. Yes. Oh, how did you know that? Because I talk about it all the time. time. Right. <laughs> the woman who lost her soul. Um, which is a huge, thick book, which ranges in location from um, Central America to Turkey to um, California, and it's just unputdownable. It's it's amazing. 
Yeah. Unputdownable. Unputdownable. Um, here, before, before the last one, here's okay. the book. The book I was thinking of is called Little Demon in the City of Light, a true story of murder and mesmerism in Belle Epoque, Paris by Stephen Livingston. Wow. Cool. Wow. Right. One more. Our last one is from know. Mark. And for those of you who we didn't pick, um, either hand them to me afterwards or leave them on that table over there. With your email address so that With she email can email address. you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um, the book that Mark was thinking of was The Brothers K by, um, uh, uh, yeah, James. David. David James Duncan. Um, uh, just a, and it's a wonderful, wonderful novel, and I would recommend it suggested to everybody who likes wonderful characters. I kept re the book was beautifully written. I kept rereading sentences. I stayed up late to finish the book. The main character changed and developed as the book progressed. So the book I'm going to suggest um, to you, Mark, is a book that has a totally different plot, but it has the same feeling. And it's, um, and maybe you, you read it, but it's a little bit older now. It's The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy. Have you read that? I have not. Okay, no. pick it up and just see, I mean, just see if you agree. Mm -hmm. Because I've always felt those two books belong together. How come? They, they're both, they're both books that are, they're both books that are generous in their, in their view of the world. And they're both books that are specific about family and family relationships, but take it beyond that. And Pat Conroy's book is one of those books that, um, you know, was so popular when it came out and was made into not a good movie. It's so, I'm so glad that you recommended that because I had that impression of it, that it was not a good book because it wasn't a good movie. Right. And Right. So I have a two-year-old, so I'll let you know in a couple of years what I think of the book. Okay. <laughs> All right. Please do. <laughs> okay. So if, um, as Katie said, if you want me to suggest some books tailored to your 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 um, form, um, be sure to write your email legibly. That was a little bit of a problem last time. <laughs> and also, we'll uh, take more questions at the end. Right. Too. Um, before we uh, we well, as Martha comes up to be interviewed by Nancy. Um, so we do this podcast every once in a while, usually every other Tuesday at the Bryant Corner Cafe, which is at 35th and, I mean at uh, 65th and 32nd. In the and Northeast. it's half price cookie day. And some, some of the folks from the, uh, the podcast have come, so I'm calling you guys out, raise your hand. Yay. Yay. So people come, they sit, talk about books, we edit that down because people have a lot to say about books and you know podcasts are supposed to be like 20 minutes long but we invite you to come and if you give us your email when we're recording the next one which is probably not for three weeks because nancy's going out of town we'll uh, we'll invite you love to have you there so our next po oh yes What's the, name of the, the bryant corner cafe Bryant. Yeah, Bryant, yeah. You know, like the Ravenna Bryant neighborhood, Bryant Assumption Church. It's right across from Bryant Assumption Church. It's right next to um, the block used to be uh, Child Haven. I think it was Child Haven, right? right? Uh, one of the big city blocks that had about six houses on it and an area at the front for, um, for the, uh, the offices. And it was a big open block with lots of play fields because of the city we live in, right? They're, they're putting up uh, just an inordinate number of houses 
And they have some of the houses already up, and there's a big sign out in front that says, wonderful homes, starting in the low millions. Does that say that, really? Yeah. Welcome to Seattle. Martha, how low can you go? Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to get in on the punishment. And so I've got Gail in the front row. Gail, what does this say? Okay, what's my joke? Terrible pun, yes. <laughs> it's, it's good, because I can, I can spell pun, but I cannot draw, and so we'll get to the art later. So Martha, um, National Grammar Day, March 4th. March 4th, yes. Tell, so how did, that come, how did that come about? I was teaching high school at the time, and I did not want to be one of those teachers who abused with grammar and with correction. I mean, we've probably all had those teachers who made you feel stupid or bad or ashamed. And I didn't want to be that person in any student's life. I'd always loved language and grammar and, and wanted others to love it too. So I was the high school advisor to the, uh, the yearbook and to the newspaper. So we were writing headlines and, and things all the time. And there was this one student who insisted that it was the B-O-Y apostrophe S basketball team. And I said, no, it's, it's not, and here's why. And she said, oh no, I'm right. And so at the time, I was writing an educational humor column for the online encyclopedia, Encarta. And I was doing a piece on secret societies, you know, skull and bones and, and other secret organizations. And I thought, this is it. I am going to create a secret society for grammar. So I wanted to have a terrible acronym. And I thought of SPOG, which is a really ugly word. And the Society for the Promotion of Good Grammar was born. Um, and at the time, my, my husband had come home from a work event and, and one of his colleagues had laughed because he went to a fancy Hollywood party and Christopher Guest, the comedian, was giving out remains of the day lunch boxes. And so <laughs> I thought, oh, I could make a grammar lunch box. And so I did. There were lunch boxes and bumper stickers and other things. And so I would write letters to the students from SPOG correcting grammar. And then I started writing letters. I wrote to the Queen. I wrote to George W. Bush, who what, was president. What did you say? To, to the Queen George, or, or to both, George? Um, well, so this is, um, I think this is when George Bush was saying that it was hard to put food on your family. And he meant, <laughs> it's really actually not difficult at all. I've done it many times. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I wrote to him and I, I wrote to the Queen and I, you know, I asked the Queen. The Queen's response was really satisfactory and this was one of the things that I've learned in this life journey is that if you write to the Queen of England, her people will write you back on Buckingham Palace stationery. And so I wrote to her, what do you think of what's become of the Queen's English? And so her people wrote back a very polite letter that said, you know, because she is the head of state, she cannot comment on <laughs> matters of grammar. And <laughs> we would not want to start a war. You know what? I don't know if there's ever been a war started over language, but certainly lawsuits over commas and semicolons. Right. right. So what can we do on National Grammar Day? Start this, a war with Canada. <laughs> this this um, coming March 4th. I mean, I think we should do something. I mean, do you, like when I see signs that have that awful apostrophe, every, why everybody needs feels they need to put an apostrophe and everything. Those apostrophe catastrophes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like what, I'm, and I always want to like take a big 
you know, magic marker. People, people have done that. And there was the Typo Eradication League, and they traveled around. I was actually planning on traveling around in a Winnebago and, and you know, doing a grammar thing, and then the Typo Eradication League beat me to it. They went to a national park, and now I can't remember which one because it's been about eight years, and things, things just, have happened. They leak out. Um, but they changed the punctuation on a sign in a park, and the sign was actually historically significant. And so here's the problem. You can actually get in trouble for doing that, and so it's maybe not recommended. And my, as my thinking about language has evolved, and, and it, another thing I wanted to back up, you know how sometimes we laugh at the menus and other things in um, restaurants, particularly restaurants where people don't speak English as a first language? Is those things can sometimes be hilarious, but I've trained myself to not find it funny, because how brave is it to go to a whole new country where the language is not yours, where even there's a different alphabet in many of those cases, and to make your wonderful food, we know what the menu says, and, and you know, the food's great, and let's encourage people to, um, you know, speak English, and to learn it and, in a kind and gentle way. Um, so we don't need to go around. I do correct my children's grammar um, sometimes, and I and my what? daughter is 15 and she hates it. <laughs> what about your husband's grammar? Do you collect, correct his? Do you collect his grammar? Do well, you correct his I, grammar? Oh, I collect. No. Um, I. You know what? Sometimes he will use. He instead of saying me, he'll say, you know, give right. this to John and I. I. He'll say that, and so if it's in front of our children. I will say, I will correct him because I just want them to start hearing that correctly. Um, but otherwise, no, because... Could you, could, how do you correct? I mean, in, what do you say? It's, I, you I, dummy! <laughs> <laughs> I would be so quickly divorced. Yeah, um, right. You know, and actually one time his mother sent me an email saying that my thank you note wasn't long enough. And so I corrected the spelling in her email. That was, I don't... <laughs> It was really, it was, do you remember that heat wave a few years ago and it was over 100 degrees and the windows in my house don't open and I was working on that book on deadline and she chided me. She had sent me a box of ski coats and one of my children to try them on in the summer. And anyway, it was bad. Don't correct your mother-in-law's grammar is the moral of that story. And usually I will just say it back as it should be. That's what I do too. <gasps> High five. <laughs> oh my gosh. But... So Bob Costas, do you know who he is? I do. Okay, so I and his pink eye, which uh, had a Twitter yeah, he account. He had pink eye. He's an announcer. He usually, he announces at the Olympics these days, and he does a lot of sports stuff. And he was guilty of that overcorrecting to I. He would say, and I like he gave it to John and I. I, like, I just wanted to punch the tell. I mean, how do you keep I think calm? he should be fined. It's, it's really hard. On National Grammar Day, came this little thing that I started with the lunch boxes and with my students, because I wanted to have a fake national holiday of my own, as one does. And then Katie Couric was on, I think it was World News Tonight, and she was saying, it's National Grammar Day, everyone. So let's not end our sentences with prepositions. And my soul curled up into a sad ball and it died and it was because you know that's that's actually bad grammar advice but it's recovered your soul it's it's i watered it and it came right back <laughs> <laughs> i have to say that uh, that Chris, uh, christopher guest is a great punster i had i sat next to him at a dinner once and he and we just 
like, I mean, he far out, out I'm afraid to talk to you, Martha, because I'm going to say something wrong. He far... <laughs> and I'm going to correct you. <laughs> he, he, he far outshone me. I think he's hilarious. And, you know, we make fun of puns. They used to be considered the highest this form, form of, of humor. humor. And, you know, what, what is funny to us changes over the years. I mean, it used to be in the time of the ancient Greek playwrights, but it was hilarious to put a disabled person on the stage. You know, now we would think that, wow, that's not something that's great to laugh at. And so these things do change. What I love about puns, though, is it's just a different way of looking at words. And, and I think it's fun. And I think, I mean, that's, that's what language is to me. It's not something that's meant to divide us. You know, there's, there's not, um, you know, proper English and bad English. There's English that I exists in different contexts. And the people who are the most successful with language are the ones who understand the context. It's kind of like understanding that you would not wear a Speedo to church. That would be weird, right? Um, and you know, people would think, oh my gosh, are you gonna sit down in that right next to me? And, and so, but it's totally fine. Well, mostly fine at the beach, maybe not advised. <laughs> um, but that's the thing, you know, it's understanding what is the context, what am I trying to say, and how can I say it? And also, when someone else is speaking, how can, you know, what, what are the words that they're using and in what order and what are they intending to say? It's all meant for us to understand each other and, and written language evolved so much after spoken language. You know, we've been 350,000 years making fires and telling stories. Only 3,500 years has there been a written language. And what that really means is we did not necessarily evolve our brains to write, um, you know, communicate in other ways. And so this writing thing, some people are going to have an easier time than others. I have a child with dyslexia, and that's given me a whole lot of insight into minds that have a different, difficult time spelling and recognizing mechanics. And so shame has no part in it. This is all, you know, let's understand each other and let's not exclude and let's not necessarily think that I know, I know all the rules and therefore I can judge you and your bad grammar. My last, my last, I feel like we should applaud that. My last question. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, my last question is, is there a grammar book besides yours, things that make us sick, um, that a you, that you, a pun, um, that, well, I'm going to tear the book in half and then it will be a terrible pun, um, do, that you love, do you, do you? I am a big fan. It depends kind of on what, what you're aiming to do. I think Mignon Fogarty, who's Grammar Girl and who's a friend of mine, does a really great job with good, useful, practical things. Um, it's come under fire for, from linguists for a variety of reasons, um, but I still love the elements of style by Strunk and White. It's slim, it's accessible. No one is going to become a worse writer for using that. Um, Brian, Gu Brian Garner's um, Guide to Modern American Usage, I think is what it's called. It's either usage or English. It's, it's when you're looking for, it's, you know, is this the right word for this context? You can see how words are being used. Uh, and so I think those are three good Are good they sources. on your desk, your writing desk? They are, well, they're on the shelf to the right. left because my desk has a pile of papers I see. that I need to deal with. Okay, Martha, thank you so much for coming thank on you. that stack of books. So, so Martha and Frida will come up.
and answer questions along with Nancy and whoever else you want to address questions to. You know, we have that contest. There are fabulous prizes for the two contestants. So that was good to hear that they respect the pun. Yes, National Grammar Day book person likes puns. That's amazing. I think so. It was really unexpected. Frida Clements, <laughs> illust- it was unexpected. That's, we're going to go into that. <laughs> Illustrator, graphic designer, best show poster artist in 2010, uh, poster of the week multiple times, featured poster of the week in The Stranger, as well as the book 1,000 Indie Posters mm. and Gig Posters, Volume 2. Yeah. And uh, all right, first fully illustrated book, The Wandering Goose, Heather Earnhardt, September 2013, author and illustrator. Second book, Have a Little Pun, released in August of 2015 through Chronicle Books. That is one of them. That is that's very nice. That's where it all started, actually. This this drawing. Yep. What uh, what happened? Well, um, it was a rainy night in Ballard. I was invited to a sketch night uh, of some fellow illustrators, and I showed up, and no one was there. And it would be, it would have been something I would have shrugged off if it didn't happen to me all the time. I have like a chronic problem with calendars and keeping track of things. And my husband is always there there to witness it. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. You were there the wrong day? I was there the wrong day. But it was like, you know, it had been one of those months where it happened a few times. So I went home and I'm like, I'm going to draw anyway. So I drew a whale. And then I was like, oh, whale underneath it. You just drew a whale yeah, first. Just, just for fun. Because yeah. animals are fun and you yeah. draw animals. Yeah. I just, well, the whole point was to get out of my, like, regular client work kind of, um, I just wanted to get a little more creativity happening in my life and and a little more <laughs> um, social interaction, oh. too, with other artists, which didn't work out, but that's okay. Are you a punster? I didn't think I was, typically. I mean, before I came up with this idea, I mean, I'd remembered um, my husband and I were cleaning out the fridge, and he was like, is that dill still okay? And I was like, oh, no, that's a done dill. (laughs) 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 And I kind of, like, doubled over in laughter for probably a good couple weeks over that. (laughs) Just with done dill? Yeah. Oh, that's the part of the beauty of the pun, right? You yeah. can amuse yourself with them. <laughs> so that's a picture of a whale, by the way. Yeah. Oops, that's a picture of a whale. It says, oh, whale. Did you, um, did you do a bunch before you had the idea for a book or just that one? I, well, that started a whole series. And I was really, um, I'm a big player of Scrabble and I love wordplay. And I just like the feeling it, you know, you get when you figure something out and, and it just became this game to me, and I started pun-crastinating on my other work. And, you know, I have, I have a couple kids myself, and it was just like, th- it was like the one thing that was like, oh, this is like really fun to do, and it just satisfied something in me, like solving a puzzle. So I started sharing them on Instagram and Facebook with my friends and family, and it was not intended to be a book at all. And, yeah, pun. You do unintended. Unintended pun. <laughs> Did you do you do this with kids? Do you do you do puns with? Um, my kids are older now, and I think that they're kind of over it. My son is—he's just starting his second year in college, and my daughter's in eighth grade. And I mean, she kind of likes it too, but there's a uh, yeah, 
what, what I find interesting in doing the research on this is that wordplay and pun are two different things. Yeah. I mean, there's play on words that we that we are used to, but a pun is a very specific and mm -hmm. skillful thought process, I would say. Yeah, I try to, I mean, if I'm thinking of a certain animal, I try to think of all aspects of the animal, especially when the book really started rolling and it became a thing like, oh, I have to come up with 80 of these and they all have to be really good. Um, I would... I think like one of my favorites is this bear and it says mall about that, like that kind of a thing where it's like, I don't know, you kind of have to see that. I have the to see that one. Yeah. Mall about that? Mall. Mall about that. <laughs> M-A-U-L. I see. That's very good. I need you. It's a cat in a, in a lovely little quilt. That's my cat. It's all based on reality. And need is K-N-E-A-D. And she does. Yeah. Did that one come from her sitting on you and Definitely. doing it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. She's a rescue kitty, and she had been declawed by some evil former owner, so she just likes to do this. I think she has, like, phantom claws or something. Now, you have to do a little bit of thinking to, come, to be in yeah. that frame of mind. Totally. You have to be open. It's, like, very part of being in the flow of the creative process, which is... I'm so serious about it, and that's why it's funny that it's a, you know, basically a, a comic book. Like, it's not, you know, a serious thing, but I take it very seriously when I'm in the process. How different is this work than your work when you were in Gig Posters Volume 2? Well, um, it's interesting to be here at Town Hall because I was actually the designer for the Paramount Theater for four years, and... Um, I did a lot of posters and a lot of working with the arts and um, right around the time where a Seattle theater group took over. Mm -hmm. So um, I would do advertising by day, but the part of that job that I loved is that I had access to designing for bands that came through the theaters. And um, it was all in my own time. I mean, it, it was a totally different world, just like this, I feel like I've kind of, peeked through the curtain into a different world here tonight, but like uh, poster designers, there's a whole slew of them who travel from a city to city, and it's like very serious uh, screen-printed um, poster world that's still happening now. No puns. No puns. It's all very serious. It's all cool. It's all cool. Yeah. Describe one. Can you, can you come up with one that was in either of these volumes, something that was really cool? Oh, yeah, like I uh, cool. posters we'll for Bonnie Vare, Iron and Wine, or um, yeah, all sorts of bands that I like to listen to, but it's definitely a <laughs> totally different thing than this. But it's not just Bonnie Vare standing there looking, they're not no, all looking good. You no, do something I, I artistic, take, right? Oh, yeah. I really, whenever I, I work on a concert poster, I usually really, I mean, get into the music, whatever it is, and I'm, you know, take as much time as I can. Um, thinking about it conceptually and making sure it makes sense for each artist that I'm working for. And you're yeah. still doing that I'm as well? I'm still doing that, yeah. But this is more fun. Um, this, yeah, it's all fun. It's like a, just a different aspect of my, this is like my 12-year-old self. So I feel like it's great because I've gotten to like go back in time and just like be a nerd. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah. I don't know. It's like I, I don't like to box myself in either, but it's really nice to have something that's a <laughs> fun thing to do. You read that one. <laughs> For fuck's sake.
And what what are we looking at? Well, this is not my fault, this one. This is um, <laughs> a gift from my sister-in-law, who is actually an elementary school teacher. <laughs> so... <laughs> She said that, and yeah. then you drew the fox and yeah. the log she, and well, the Well, she sent ferns. me a text that said that, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant, that's perfect. And, of course, it's from you. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> and you can use it all the time. Yeah. And even your 12-year-old self can use that. Oh, totally. <laughs> all right, so walk me through this one. That's coo, and it's a white pigeon. Yeah. Well, a lot of the puns come from things I say every day, all the time. And, um, yeah, I wanted to do a pigeon, and I was like, think, I just think of all the aspects of what, you know, what, it, what is it about? And there's another one with a seagull, and it says, hey, girlfriend. <laughs> and it's just, but it took me a while to get it. Like, I had hey, to girlfriend, really, or that's cool? Both of them, yeah. <laughs> do you have, do, are, there, are there any rejects, like pigeon toad or... I have, yeah, I have all these weird, crazy lists that I keep at my bedside. You do? But, oh, yeah. Just a list I mean, of I've, bad puns. I've taken a break right now because I'm trying to, like, keep it fresh and stay happy and interested <laughs> and not sick of myself. But, um, yeah, I still like to do that. It's really funny. And I do have a lot of rejects. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. But Just I have like, one that I didn't, that didn't make it into the book, and I was so sad because I came up with it after I sent it to my publisher. It's a little skunk, and it says, makes sense. <laughs> you, could, you Clearly, you have a whole career in this. You could just keep doing this for years, yeah. your 12-year-old like, self. Yesterday, we went, to the <laughs> we went to the pumpkin patch, my daughter and I, and I had just read that article about the, you know, that meme, that Irma Gerd meme. It was this girl, and she looks really awkward and she's holding all these books these goosebumps books uh-huh and it was just a thing and then everyone started saying ermigard over and over no okay i missed it anyway i was at it's the pumpkin patch yesterday and it was like ermigord <laughs> oh <laughs> very good and i cracked my my daughter is just like okay after a while it's like not that funny anymore you know but <laughs> it was to me did you just give me a pocket rim shot it sounded like that would be good all right um are you in any way my last question are you in any way embarrassed about being now you're a punster i'm not embarrassed i just i don't think people they're all kind of slow cooked these puns it's not like i just come up with them on the fly um and and some of them like in the book are a little deeper they're a little bit more about, well, like motivational or, I don't know. I, Can you give us one example of that? Oh, there's a gopher that says, go for it. And, and there's a little bee and it says, honey bee yourself. <laughs> no, I think those are great. I think that's great. <laughs> but it's all stuff But you don't get mad at yourself. I, tell, I have to tell myself every day or my kids or whatever, you know. It's all like very part of real everyday life. Yes, except you're taking it one step. Yeah. You're making it something yeah. more. You're very aware of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. I think I mean, the only tiring part is that people send me really bad puns all the time. Oh, now, oh, now people are sending you are now getting puns in the email, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What's a bad one? Oh, I can't. I re- they're out of they're there gone. as soon as I read them, and I'm like, oh, no. 
Yeah. Did any of our jokes inspire you? Oh, for- tonight was amazing. I felt like I found my tribe, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that many people that like to like actually laugh at these dorky jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we should. I'm glad we are. Uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Frida. Very much. Thank you very much. Have a little pun. It's out. All right, these guys are going to come back in in moments, actually. But uh, you can even stay and you can judge these if you want. No, no, Frida. First, some more. Some oh, more I puns. know. I thought maybe she wanted to just stand oh, there and groan. Sure. That will feel awkward. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> um, so, of the two prizes, just to get you jazzed, runner up, but by no means, you know, secondary. By no means, runner up. Yeah. Is, uh, do you know that Jeff, in addition to the other things he's doing here, running the sound, is also the head of the Bushwick Book Club? And so, two tickets, Bushwick Book Club's uh, Seattle Presents, original music inspired by Stephen King's Carrie. That's at Hales Palladium. That's Hales Brewery. Hales Brewery. Yeah. Fremont That's Valley. on October 31st. So, you know, if you need something to do for Thanksgiving. And then... Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, Halloween. <laughs> Or Thanksgiving. It's going to be a lo- that's a long book if you remember. Uh, and then the, the grand prize is a membership at Town Hall. So if you're not a member of Town Hall, you get to be a member if you win the competition. I, I just want to say the Bushwick Book Club is not just music, it's lyrics too, right, Jeff? It's the whole thing. Right. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. write, we write uh, original songs mostly. Right. Based on literature, with yeah. words. With words, mostly. I, uh, sometimes there's sometimes we try to write feelings too in yeah. scenes. This means Steve did that when we were writing about home too. That's right. That's right. Um, are you gonna like? Are you gonna like ha- recreate the Carrie scene where the where the blood dumps on her head? That gonna, would be I'm, telling. I'm not gonna talk about that. All right. But All we right. definitely have a prom band, and we're gonna have music from the 70s and 80s, as well as original music inspired by it, and. Um, I've been at Archie McPhee's looking at stuff they have there, and <laughs> there should be some fun stuff happening throughout the night. All right, I good. suggest you drench a, drench a dress in blood and wear it to the, or in your tux. Because it's Halloween show. anyways. All right, so in a moment, I, you, you're going to sh- shoot up your hands to want to compete. One, one, you'll either be on Martha's team or on, uh, on Frida's team. But before we do, so be ready, because we're taking the first two. All right. This is just to get everyone warmed up. Yes, so this is to warm everybody up. So, um, you know, nobody thought that Black Beauty would win the race. He was a real dark horse. Mm. Oh, I love that groan. Never employ someone who's obsessed with graphs. They'll always be plotting behind your back. This is a lower (laughs) level of appreciation for these. I spent some time as a plastic surgeon. That raised a few eyebrows. I just got a great job helping a one-armed typist when she wants to do capital letters. It's shift work. Conjunctivitis.com. Now that's a site for sore eyes. I know. (laughs) I'm very pessimistic. I'm like a German vegetarian in that respect. I fear the worst. You know, I've been working on my autobiography, but I'm having a lot of trouble finishing it. Well, that's the story of my life. 
I can't stop I can't stop writing comedy plays about Middle Earth. It's a farce of Hobbit. Deliver <laughs> that one wrong. It's a farce of Hobbit, everyone. One more time. It's a. <laughs> I can't stop writing comedy plays about Middle Earth. It's a farce of Hobbit. A doctor made it his regular habit to stop off at a bar for hazelnut daiquiri on his way home. The bartender knew of his habit and would always have the drink waiting at precisely 5.03 p.m. One afternoon, the end of the workday, the bartender was dismayed to find that he was out of hazelnut extract. Thinking quickly, he threw together a daiquiri made with hickory nuts and set it on the bar. The doctor came in at his regular time, took one sip of the drink, and exclaimed, This isn't a hazelnut daiquiri. No, I'm sorry. It's a hickory daiquiri, Doc. <laughs> a woman goes to a psychiatrist. Doc, I keep having these alternating recurring dreams. First I'm a teepee, then I'm a wigwam, then I'm a teepee, then I'm a wigwam. It's driving me crazy. What's wrong with me? It's very simple. You're too tense. A group of chess enthusiasts checked into a hotel and were standing in the lobby discussing their recent tournament victories. After an hour of this, the manager came out of his office and asked them to disperse. But why? They asked as they moved off. Because, he said, I can't stand chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. Two Adams are walking down the street, and they run into each other. One says to the other, Are you all right? No, I lost an electron. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> A couple of clams were eating chocolate bars while two fish watched. Did you see that? One what? fish said as the clams finished their treat. They didn't offer us a single bite. Well, what do you expect? Asked the other fish. They're two shellfish. Don't you know There'll the be a few more. Don't you know the Queen's English? Why, yes, I heard she was. Oh, I thought I was saying that to Katie. <laughs> when I was a kid, my English teacher looked my way and said, Name two pronouns. I said, Who me? <laughs> my favorite bumper sticker is ambiguity. We worked on this joke a long time. This one was a hard one. Yeah, like, give me, ambiguity is what, no, this doesn't, never mind. I'm, I'm skipping <laughs> this one. I refuse. Hey, Steve, I heard Humpty Dumpty had a terrible summer. Yeah, but he had a great fall. No, wait, wait. Do I get to tell my, okay. So, um, so, I, so I have so many, you know, I have so many books in my head that it's hard to keep jokes in them, but this is the one, one, um, wordplay joke that I remember. Um, so a man walks into a bar and he sits down and he asks the bartender for a drink and he's just sitting there sipping on his drink and he hears this voice, nice tie. And the man looks around, there's nobody else at the bar, you know, it's like pretty, it's empty. And um, you know, he shrugs, oh, you know, like, oh God, drinking too much, I guess. And then he uh, takes another sip of the drink, and, and uh, he hears a, a, a voice saying, great suit. And he, thought, he says, wait a minute, bartender, come, o come over here. He said, you know, like I heard this voice saying, nice tie and then great suit. And the bartender said, oh, don't, don't even worry about that. It's the nuts. They're complimentary. <laughs> Are we doing the pirate joke? Oh, the pirate joke. You have right. to get out your other piece of paper. Are we doing that at the end? No, that. 
This uh, one was a big debate because Steve didn't want to do it because he didn't think it was funny. And other people don't catch on to it very quickly. So that was, see would if you catch me. on to this one. I didn't get it. You don't have it? You'll sit, stand with me. Yeah, now you're, I get it. You're the S's. <clears throat> you got this? You ready? Oh, we'll all do it together. The cannons be ready, Captain. Arr! What be our orders now? Arr! Why is he so grumpy? He has his reasons, I guess. He just never says what they be. Arr! Must be a pirate thing. No? <laughs> all right. A-R-E. R. All right, so See, edit. he doesn't, he doesn't. The cannons him. be ready, Captain. He doesn't get the tent. See, it's a terrible joke because you have to explain it. So the, so, the captain is actually the biggest grammarian on the boat. Arr! What be our orders now? Arr! Yeah. No. You were right. You were right. Edit that. Edit that part out, Steve. Oh, no, that is that is totally going in. That is totally going in. All right, you ready? Okay. So we're Quizzes. gonna have a quiz. Who wants to be on Frida's team? One person. Oh, it's a pun just, or grammar quiz. A, Pun come on, come on. I'm picking. No, it's, come on. I'm picking. If I don't get it, I'm picking. Come on, come on. Thank oh, you. good. All right. Come up. Thank you. Oh, All Jennifer right. is going to do it. All Yay. Right. All right, who wants to be on Martha's, Martha's team? team? Okay, I'm picking. I'll jump up at once. I'm picking. Uh, yeah, I picked. Who knows grammar? No, I already picked. It's not. I picked you. No, okay, wait, I'm going to tell you a joke and you're going to want to be on my You'll team be because good. of this joke. A piece of string walks into a bar. The bartender oh, says, get out of here. We don't serve your kind. So the string walks out, roughs itself up, ties itself in knots, goes back into the bar. The bartender says, hey, aren't you that string I just kicked out of here? And the piece of string says, I'm afraid not. <laughs> My 15-year-old my limits me to three puns a day, so. All right, so I'm going to stand with you and Mike, you both. Okay. So Nancy's got some questions. Thank you, sir. So here, Nancy's got some here. questions. Come You'll have down. about 20 seconds to respond. Uh, hmm, how are we going to keep track of this? We'll just instinctually keep track of this. All right, we'll remember. I have a lot, though, which is necessary. Okay, question one. Who gets the first question? Who's going first? You get the first right. question. How do you spell mouse trap? Now remember, these are these are jokes. These puns. are jokes. So don't take them literally. Yeah. All right. Wait. Has it been twenty seconds yet? You guys decide. All right. Do you guys have an answer? We do. It's C A T. You're right. <laughs> okay. So we start with you. Now finish this sentence. I wasn't originally going to get a brain transplant. Finish that sentence. Now you be thinking of this. How to finish that sentence. Remember, it's, it's a joke. <laughs> and I know the answer, so that's do you why I'm so cavalier about it. Do you know, <laughs> Katie, do you know what it is? Katie, do you know what it is? Oh, you got it? Don't yell at it. But I did it to get ahead? I don't know. Oh! Close. <laughs> okay. you, guys, you guys have an answer? I'm, I'm thinking worry. any kind of Frankenstein things it's I can do, but. Set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. Come on, do I get no, she's okay. got to have some. She has to have some credit. To the for audience. That. Yeah. But then I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 
Your turn first. What letter of the alphabet has got lots of water? Uh, I got a lot of P, I don't know. No. <laughs> I got 13 year old sons, so you anything with water and P, that's going to come. Do you guys have an answer on that? Because that's, a, we, get, we give credit, we give partial credit for that one. We're going to say all the letters from H to O. <gasps> but this oh, is going to be wow. hard to score. That's yeah. also pretty that's good. That's where the that's really good. In. That's the more sophisticated. Anybody so, think of? Yes. C. So the correct answer on our papers is C, but do you think that they should get it for the H? What about, what about a lot of P? What about a lot of P? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. You get so, to go. So what's the score now? Two to, two to zero. Two to one. No, they get two one. To one. Two to one. Because they had P. All right. Okay. Two to one. I don't want, here's the next one. I don't want to tell this crowd a chemistry joke because... Do you have a guess? <laughs> it's terrible. Go for it. Because it would be boron. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, oh, that's good. That's not bad. That, would, that would be a table, a periodic yeah. table of elements joke, though. Okay. To the other yeah. side. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That might, I was just thinking about because I don't want to be negative. Oh, that's bad. also good. But but they may have the answer. Anyone in the audience? Anybody? Yes. What was, what was that? Shout it out. Or I don't want to get a reaction. All right, very good. Okay, what letter of the alphabet is always waiting in line? Or you could say, hey, mate, what letter of the alphabet's always waiting in line? Well, I, I was going to say Q. Yay! That is now right. We are we tied up two to two? Two to two. Okay, here's a good one for you guys. I am reading a book about anti-gravity and... I can't put it down. <laughs> Yeah, you have to lower your expectations Good. for these. <laughs> I know it's town hall, but you know. Okay, what big... Yeah, that's right, it's the basement. <laughs> what begins with T, ends with T, and has T in it? What, what word? What, 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 you didn't say what word Oh, well, let's say Steve. that anyways. What word <laughs> begins with T, ends with T, and has T in it? How would you, and how would you uh, deliver I've that? I've got to hey, sit no, there. no, no. <laughs> I didn't like, I, this is, I, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> All right. All right, over to the other team. You have a guess. Teapot. But we also came up with the, um, the young adult version, teat. Teat. <laughs> yeah, teat? yeah. And it says teat. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Okay. Did you hear about Wait, the... Four to... We should... You could say it has milk in it. Four to one, right? Four to two. Four to two. Okay. Just making sure. Did you hear? Well, think, but, this, but the runner-up one is such a good prize. So yeah, so you're they're good equal. Did you hear about the guy whose whole left side was cut off? Well, let me say that again. Did you hear about that guy whose whole left side was cut off? Oh, you got oh, it. Oh, you got it. Okay, good. All right. And his wife was Eileen. <laughs> you guys might want to think about working together. So. <laughs> what, okay, what English word? No, they go. What English word? <laughs> what common English word begins and ends with the same three letters? This is hard. It's a very hard one. It begins, 
I should also say that this yet? is not a pun or a joke. It is neither a pun nor a joke. It's just mean. <laughs> but yeah. not in the same order. Yes. In the yes, same order. Summer? Yes. The first three letters are the same in the same order as the last three letters. Let's think of some hints. No hints yet? All right, later. You got one? Do you have it? Hold on. M Mark has it? Oh, sorry. We're critical here. They're about to tie. Okay. <laughs> Everybody, I calm down. Yeah, my visual brain is totally. Okay. No, okay, I have, I have a hint that All right. is going to just give it away. Oh, well, then let them well, try first. The hint is. Alice. <laughs> Steve, I wish this were television. <laughs> how, how does that get you to, I was going to say, if you're in London, you might want to get across town using it. Well, mine is book related. True. But mine makes sense. <laughs> no, Wonderland is not getting you there. So no one? Not Wonderland. What? All right. All right. Anyone in the audience? Underground. Alice's Adventures Underground, remember? Entertainment. Oh, that's good. Ooh. Ooh. Underground entertainment is what we're providing. Yes. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right, so we got okay. one more. One, yeah, because we can't do that last one. It's too hard. Ridiculous. I want. <laughs> We'll tell it to you, but you won't like it. I'm not hearing grammar on any of this here. No. I, I, wait, I, so are we, it's to this team, right? Okay, yeah. I wondered why the baseball was getting bigger. I wondered why the baseball was getting bigger then. Send it to the other team. Back to the other team. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the baseball was getting bigger then or then? Then. 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 Ooh, good. Then. 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 In the audience. It hit me. Then it hit me. Okay, Katie, what's the score? I mean, what's with the it's winners? It's four to three. Our winners are on this side. Okay. Wow. I don't think I ever got your name. Okay, let's, give, let's applaud our winners. And... Bonus, can I give a bonus question? I won't do that one. Did okay. you hear about the man who got hit in the head with a soda can? He's all right, though. It was a soft drink. <laughs> As he popped right back up. Good. All right, we'll, well check with us afterwards, are, and we'll get your, your prize for you. No, are you going to do that right now? I uh, thought you were going to. What we All right, doing? Martha, you, you and Frida stay. And okay. another round of applause for the brave people. You're very brave. What are we, we going to do with these? All right, so you guys might have some questions for anybody. So here, that's for you. And uh, you guys share, we'll share. And we'll go out here. Oh, I'm going out here. You yeah. Oh. Share. Yes. How? How psychological is grammar in our, in our current time for all three or anybody when um, it's kind of used as an identity by many people? I have a French neighbor who gets straight A's on grammar in English, but she's got the worst French accent in town, you know. And she keeps it because it gives her presence or an identity. Uh, 
what about uh, minorities and cultural groups that have redefined language? What do you feel about that? So language changes all the time. It, you know, we get new words all the time. It's I, one of my favorite days of the year is when the Oxford English Dictionary announces which words have been added to the lexicon, and I think we're up to something like 174,000. And then they do retire old words that people aren't saying anymore, um, which is a sad thing. But uh, you know, to talk about um, dialect, or you know, there's there's a very um, big assumption. Um, that's often made that people with southern accents aren't intelligent and this is totally untrue and it's totally unfair and this comes about when we have decided that there's a certain form of English that's superior and this is not the purpose of language. Language is meant to unite us and connect us. And it's not fair for one group to say, here's the right way of doing things. Now, you know, we do have to live with this. If you send out a resume and a cover letter um, and it's full of grammar and spelling errors, you're absolutely not gonna get hired, even if you might be great at the job. Even if you use non-standard English or language that wouldn't be appropriate, you know, something that's too casual for the context. Um, and that's a failure of the job applicant's part because we do have to recognize context, but it, that goes both ways. So the context that I think it's worth recognizing is that people who speak dialects, people who have accents, people whose identity groups have adopted different forms. They're using language as it's always been used and as it's meant to be used. And just because it's different from ours doesn't mean that it's inferior. And it would be good for us to understand you know, what some of those uh, expressions are and, and how some of that usage differs, just as it would probably serve people who don't speak standard English to learn you know, these are the conventional forms. And even though it's not true um, that sentence fragments are awful, or and it's not true, you can, you can begin a sentence with a conjunction. You can split infinitives. There are reasons for these things. Um, but sometimes people will have those expectations. And so the way I like to look at language is, is this rich tapestry. There are many contexts. And the more you can be sensitive to the context and understand what people are saying and what people are trying to say, and the more you can move from one context to another, the more successful you're going to be. I think a great example of this is Mark Twain, who could invent you know, lots of different dialects and sound totally convincing. Um, he was also in favor of spelling standardization and he said, oh, it'll never happen, which is too bad because I love, what is this? I think I love blood and revolution. Um, and his, but his whole, you know, effort was to try to make English words easier to spell. They're very, very difficult. This is one of the most difficult languages. And so I guess that's a long way of saying um, there is no English that is truly superior to others, there are language skills that you can have that will serve you well in our culture, and I think you know we know what those are. Um, just a, a little adding to that, um, Melville Dewey, who developed the Dewey Decimal System, was also, um, like Twain, someone who believed that spelling should be simplified. Uh, and so he w spelled his first name, changed uh, the spelling of his first name to M-E-L-V-I-L, -L, and that kind of took, I mean, that's how people, if you look him up, that's how, how his first name is spelled. But he also wanted um, and tried very hard to change the spelling of his last name to D-U-I, Dewey, from D-E-W-E-Y, um, and that never took. 
So it's, it's not the DUI decimal system, it's the Dewey decimal system. Okay. Another question? Another question? There's been an invasion of umlauts into the names of bands and uh, uh, corporations. How do we explain this strange phenomenon? An umlaut, I think, makes one look far more intelligent than one and interesting than one is. And I myself am considering putting an umlaut. <laughs> it, would, it would make her Nancy. Nancy. And I'm trying to think of how Pearl would be pronounced. Pearl. It would be Pearl. Pearl. Nancy Pearl. It would be over the A. It would go over the A. You can't put an umlaut. I studied German, and I know that we have other German speakers in the audience. It doesn't. It would go over an A or an O or a U, but not over an E or an I. I think it's to like Motley Crue and Husker Du because umlauts—they're awesome. They are. They are. I'm gonna. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm gonna start a new. I'm gonna do a new Twitter uh, feed thing. I'm a new Twitter thing, and uh, it's gonna be you know at bad Nancy, and there's gonna be umlauts over the A's A. in both of those. And the, on that one, I'm gonna say all the negative things I've been saving but, up for. But many you should years. make it. You should you should simplify it too, and just be N A N S I. Oh yeah, with an umlaut. I think Nancy, yeah. Nancy, yeah. The souls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I could get that started. <laughs> okay. That being said, I've got a two-part question. The first one is, we frequently see in books uh, an umlaut when you have two vowels next to each other. For example, reevaluation. Should we be using this or not? That's the first question. Second question. Do you think Melville Dewey would have had a, would have had better luck today, given how much we text, and tweet, and communicate via our phones and Facebook, etc.? Is grammar more or less important today? OMG! What a great question. <laughs> that was that was on Questions. fleek. Questions. <laughs> um, so there's such a thing as style. And publications have style, and this is different from, uh, you know, grammar and and uh, you know proper. So, some publications, like let's take a word like re-enter. If you just wrote R E E N T E R, some people would pronounce that as reenter, you know, which which would <laughs> be awful and confusing for us all. So, in AP style, which is what a lot of media use, you would write that as re-enter. Um, the umlaut is going to say the same thing. Um, it's, and it saves a space, so if you're really concerned with... It does. Well, oh, but, you know, we laugh, but we're living now a, in a world a of, of Twitter. A lot of didn't laugh at that. I laughed. I, I chortled. I... It's true. But it's true. So now we live in a, a time that's constrained by 144 spaces, but it, it used to be in the olden days, like when I was a newspaper reporter, you were very... The, the Internet, you know, is infinite space column inches, they actually measure out how many inches your stories are. And so you wouldn't use an Oxford comma if you're a newspaper reporter because that's a waste of a comma. So an Oxford comma, for those who are not familiar with that term, um, an Oxford comma is the comma that comes before the and in a sentence of, of three or four. But you probably all knew that. But I had to look that up a while ago. There's a band called Vampire Weekend that has a song about the Oxford comma, and, and so, you know, go listen. Do you know that band? I do. 
Have you done a poster for them? I have. <laughs> that is a great band. My son turned me on to that band. Really? Yeah. Vampire Weekend? Yeah. Should we take one more question, or are we done? I don't think done? there are any. Oh. I think you're going to give away some books. How are you going to determine what books you're going to get? Who's getting these books? Oh, oh wait, what's the second oh, question? Oh, and is grammar, sorry, is grammar more important? Um, it's, it's, I think it's never been more important to speak carefully and to, to say what we mean to say. I mean, if you look at how much noise there is on the internet from people saying things that that have not been well thought out or not saying what they mean. And, and we had that, that instance where Donald Trump was saying, you know, blood coming out of her whatever. Um, and then he was trying to backpedal and say that he was not making a, a rude joke. Um, and so, you know, oh, and also Trump supporters apparently have the worst grammar and his language itself has been analyzed and found to be at the level of a fourth grader. Um, <laughs> you can tweet that. Actually, that's an insult to fourth graders. Um, but it's, it's, I, I think it's incredibly important. Words are the best tool that we have to get along with each other. It's far, you know, they say the pen is mightier than the sword, but thermonuclear war is really super mighty, and I would like to use our words to avoid such conflict. I, I think that it's gotten more important, again, in the last few years with, with tweeting and Facebook and social media. It used to be... People were somewhat cavalier about it, but it seems that people are taking it more seriously just because they are hoping to avoid thermonuclear war. We should give peace a chance. Yeah. Oh, do you have that one? Give peace a chance? World peace. World peace, yeah. Visualize world peace. You could have world somebody peas. with a spoon eating the peas. Do you know that? I eat my peas with honey. Oh, yeah. It makes them... Kind of rather sweet. No, no, but it keeps them on my knife. Oh, I eat my peas with honey. I've done it all my life. Everyone says it looks funny, but it keeps them on my knife. We have four books we're going to give away to you, find you, you groaners and participants. Yes. What was your criteria? Um, so is it anybody's birthday today? Tomorrow, you get a book. Come on. And you get a book? And you, you get a book. <laughs> Does he get to choose? Sure. Come choose. All right. Which one? I would take the T.C. Boyle. T.C. Boyle. <laughs> T.C. Boyle, the harder they come. How can I refuse? Uh, right. right. T.C. Yeah. Boyle. Okay. My birthday is January 12th. Does anybody have a, uh, is anybody's birthday that day or the 11th or the 13th? In January. In Jan anybody have a January birthday? Okay. Woo! Come up. Do you want me to come down? Okay. National Grammar Day. What's the date? March 4th. March 4th. Anybody have a birthday on March 4th? Anybody have a birthday in March? <laughs> uh, there was one. Uh, raise your hand again. This will be good for your daughter because it's a journal. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, you too. Uh, thank you, all the folks at Town Hall. And double thanks to Jeff since he gave us a second prize. Thank you, Frida. Thank you, Martha. They are going to be signing books. I bet Nancy might stand over there and sign some books. And Tom will tell you about his experience on Jeopardy, right? And we will be at uh, the Brian Corner Cafe in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about uh, political books. Thank you all very much. Thank you for being here. We will be back November 3rd at the Bryant Corner Cafe talking about political books. We'll be there around 3 o'clock. Why don't you join us? Check out our Facebook page, That Stack of Books, with Nancy Pearl and Steve Scher. 
check out our website, thatstackofbooks.com. Also follow us on Twitter, at thatstack. You can follow Nancy Pearl, at Nancy underscore Pearl, or me, at S-S-C-H-E-R, or Katie Sewell, at Katie Sewell. And we'll announce the times for the next tapings. Thanks for listening. Happy reading. I'm Steve Scher.